Welcome to the next episode of Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford, where we discuss all things college admissions. Joel and I have been having conversations about college admissions for years, and now we bring those to you. Our goal is to provide information to you, the listener, about the world of college admissions, the processes involved, and the current issues that are a part of the journey to post-secondary education. I'm Chris Reeves, independent college counselor, and I'm here with Joel Ford, school counselor at Connor High School in Hebron, Kentucky. Our producer is Mike Piergowski, English teacher at Indian Hill High School in Cincinnati, Ohio, who makes all of our podcasting hopes and dreams come true. That's right. Mr. Ford, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well, actually. We, When we're recording this, we're at the end of April, so we're on the home stretch of the school year. Uh, happy May 1st, uh, actually tomorrow, and then uh, starting AP testing and all the end of year stuff and graduation and it's it's coming quick, sir. How about was a prom chaperone this weekend? Oh yeah, our prom was about two weeks ago, so yeah. that season as well. Yeah. They asked me what song would you have to play to get you on the dance floor, and since it was another adult who asked me, I said it would just take drinks. <laughs> like that's that might get me out there. There is not a song on its own who would get me on the dance floor. Which then would get you kicked out of the prom, so then you couldn't be on the dance floor anyway. Exactly. A perfect dancer. So I did what I did at my old proms, which is stand on the side and watch. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's not a true story. I didn't even go to my old proms. <laughs> my goodness. We gotta move on. Yep. Mr. Ford, uh, great episode today. I know we always say that, but it's always true. But what we really need to discuss and uh, something we always also say is we've been talking about this episode for a while, but we're going to discuss how to help students reach their full potential, but also be realistic about things. And it's a really fine line. We feel like we've always walked in our offices and, and maybe this applies to, to college folks and parents and everything as well. But how do you balance reality with goal setting and reaching for dreams? How does how does the role of the school counselor change depending on the situation? It's going to be a good discussion as we have a couple of great guests to help us navigate this topic. But as always, let's see what Mr. Ford has for us to start off today. Well, I guess we're going to start off today with a public service announcement. Um, it's your favorite one. It I is. coming. Here's what's funny. Okay. So we're going to talk for a second about why people need to stop using the phrase guidance counselor. Um, and where the inspiration came from, uh, Chris went to uh, the Kentucky ACAC conference in March. Um, I did not because I was an idiot and kept putting off registration. Nice uh, work. So the, yeah, thanks. So this is the first one I've missed in forever. Um, but he came back um, and he, he, you know, like we always do and we always say, like we, we have these discussions. He came back and he was complaining because there were a lot of folks there that were using the term guidance counselor. Um, and he was a little bit burned up. But the more he talked about it, the more I kept getting upset and I wasn't even there. Uh, but then I was thinking, but I had just presented the year before. What was your topic on that, on the, on your presentation in 2022, Joel? Basically why we need to quit using the words guidance counselor. Was your presentation empty, Joel? No, it was a full packed house. It was, wasn't it? I remember. Probably the most attended one of the, of the conference, to be honest. Um, I, my ego would like to say it was me probably. That was the one that had the most interest compared to the other sessions that at that time. But anyway, um, you know, so for those of you listening, the term guidance counselor came up in like the 1930s. And it basically started with teachers who kind of moonlighted on the side, providing vocational counseling to students. Um, and so it just the, the term the term came about sort of stuck. And since it's stuck, now everyone uses the term guidance counselor, okay? Um, but for those listening, we've got everything now from the American School Counselor Association and all of the state associations. Uh, if, you, if you look at what the role of a school counselor is, 
career counseling is but a part of what we do. Um, whether it's personal counseling, whether it's college and career counseling, academic counseling, where do I buy prom tickets? Um, or a thousand I can't get into questions. my locker. <laughs> I, can't, I forgot my locker combination over Christmas break. Yeah, that does happen, people. Um, or any of the other thousand things that when kids don't know the answer to something, they come to us. Uh, we do a lot more than 1930s vocational counseling. Um, and so for those listening, college parents, kids, um, and I, I know we, we it's a constant battle, uh, but do what you can to get rid of the G word. Um, we are not just guidance counselors. We are professional school counselors. Um, we're providing a lot of services to a lot of kids in a lot of areas. And this is not a rant. It's just a public service announcement. Nice. Sometimes we rant on here. So much appreciated. And yes, good job, Joel. Yeah. So before we get to the main topic... Uh, everyone just remember that Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford is part of the NACAC Podcast Network, where you can find a variety of podcasts centered around various aspects of the world of college admissions. For instance, listen to Application to Admission, where, quote, college admission experts Timothy Fields and Shereem Herndon-Brown pull from their 50 years of college admission experience and feature guests who help students and families to navigate the college admissions process. This is a must listen to for parents and advocates who want college admission success for their children and students. And to go along with that, um, I'm currently a little over halfway through their book, The Black Family's Guide to College Admissions. Excellent read as well. So I'm assuming uh, the podcast is just as great. Uh, so there's our recommendation for the week. Awesome, thanks. And with that, Take a quick break and be back to talk about realistic goals for the future. Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. Chris, this is episode 31. Uh, but this is a topic that was on our very first list of ideas for the podcast four years ago. Um, we actually came up with a pretty long list, so that's kind of part of why it's taken us a little bit. But um, I know for myself, this is a topic that I really want to talk about with other seasoned professionals. Um, it's one that, that I struggle with from time to time. How about yourself? It's something that is always on my mind in offices. Uh, just if I know each we'll get, we'll get into discussions, but each situation is different. It comes, it's really consistent, and I always worry about it. I've got other stories to tell later, so I don't want to get too much into it, but this is 100%. Like, how do you handle, how do you handle these situations? But as we know, you and I are merely just vehicles for the brains that come on this show. So sure. let's introduce our guests and find out who can really help us out here. Yeah. So our first guest is Jennifer Glass, school counselor at Lloyd Memorial High School in Erlanger, Kentucky. Uh, prior to working at Lloyd Memorial, Jen was a school counselor at Dayton High School in Dayton, Kentucky, and a social studies teacher at Connor High School in Hebron, Kentucky. Uh, Jen has a Bachelor of Arts degree in sociology from Georgetown College, a Bachelor of Arts degree in secondary education from Northern Kentucky University, and a Master of Arts degree in counselor education school counseling from Northern Kentucky University, as well as her Rank 1 certification from NKU. Jen, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate being here. All right. And Chris, why don't you introduce guest number two? I would love to. Our second guest is Michelle Rasich, Director of College Counseling at Roland Hall in Salt Lake City, Utah. She is also the co-founder of College Counseling Elevated. Prior to her current roles, Michelle was a junior class counselor at Juan Diego Catholic High School in Utah an Associate Dean of Students at Scripps College, and an Assistant Dean of Students, Dean of Residential Life at Harvey Mudd College. Michelle has a Bachelor of Arts degree in Economics from Bowdoin College, and a law degree from the University of Utah College of Law. Michelle quickly became one of my very best friends in the entire profession, 
when she was president of Rocky Mountain ACAC while I was serving Kentucky in 2014-15. Michelle, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. We're really excited to have both of you. Just as a, before we, I want to, I have a setup here, I think that, that it just kind of occurred to me, Jen, what, think back for, think back to Dayton and consider Lloyd right now uh, for, and for the record for listeners, I worked at Lloyd for four years and I love, I love the school and I'm a big fan of, of Lloyd. What was your free reduced launch population at Dayton and, and what is it now at Lloyd? If you can remember mm-hmm. roughly. So Dayton, um, I'd say we were upwards of about 90% free reduced lunch. Uh, when I first, and then when I, when I went to Lloyd, uh, the numbers were probably closer to 60%, but this is my 10th year at Lloyd and I think it's upwards to 85% now free reduced lunch. And I think that's just really important for people to understand the population you're working with a lot of underrepresented population, high need and they need, well, one, they need good counselors and they need people who are going to guide them in, in, in life when perhaps, I don't know if you know these numbers exactly, but I would imagine that you have a whole lot of first generation students. Yes, absolutely. The majority of them. Okay. Right. The majority, the majority Mm -hmm. of them, first generation. And Michelle, you're in a completely different world, right? Yes. Talk about, talk about Roland Hall for a second then. Sure. Roland Hall is a pre-K through 12 private independent school in Salt Lake City, um, just close to the downtown area. And um, like many independent schools, we, you know, we do offer financial aid for students to attend and scholarships for students to to attend. But the majority of my population is a tuition paying population. And um, you know, we have uh, a 100% attendance rate in four-year college and university historically. Right. And so it's right. a really, really different population than the one that Jen works with or that, you know, you worked with when you were there too. Very different. I th- so I think what we'll find in this in this discussion that we are actually we are about to have is is that there will be big differences but similarities too because kids are kids no matter matter where they are or how much money their family has or where they live in the country Uh, but there's also perhaps differences in different types of populations as well we have scenarios for you joel do you have things to say before we jump into a few scenarios we set this up almost like case study-ish like let's let's talk about let's let's create a scenario let's talk about how we would handle that as as four counselors yeah and a teacher if mike wants to jump in so we were trying to come up with some different types of situations where where these difficult conversations happen right um where maybe maybe a student has their eyes in one place and we're trying to figure out the best way to counsel them. So I'm just going to mention the four and then we can come back to each individually. But, um, and if you have others that you can think of, certainly we'll, we'll add them to the list, but um, some different scenarios where these conversations happen. Scenario one, um, a student wants to apply to a highly selective college where they may have little chance of acceptance, Um, whether it's just the sheer percentage of acceptance or something in their resume that maybe uh, would prevent that. Um, Scenario two, a student is considering a particular career, but their performance in school indicates that their likelihood for success uh, may not be there. Okay. Um, Scenario three, and and I'm just going to put out there, this is is the one that I struggle with the most. Um, A student who struggles um, academically, maybe they even have an IEP or a 504 plan, um, and school is hard for them. And maybe the goal that they set, maybe they can get there, but maybe it's going to be a, a huge struggle for them. Um, and then scenario four, kind of the other way, um, a student who sells themselves short, um, who actually could, in your opinion, could achieve more than they realize um, just with a little push and a little direction. Um, and, and so those are the four we kind of came up with um, to kind of lead 
the discussion. So I guess we'll start just with, um, before we get into some specific questions, just some general thoughts from, from either of you as, as far as these scenarios, or is there one that we, uh, the type of conversation that we missed? Oh, and thanks, Mike, for putting up the the uh, different scenarios for us to look at. So scenario one, a student wants to apply to a highly selective college where they have little chance of acceptance. I'm just curious how you handle it in your I, office, what those yeah. conversations are like. Michelle, what do you, what, we'll start with you. Yeah. Um, you know, every student who has or every parent who has Ivy dreams has little chance of success in that application process. And one of the things that that I do with with students is it it's it's the honoring the dreams and I call this my yes and model. Right. Yes, you have these dreams. Yes, you um, have probably been thinking about an IV scenario for a very long time, um, especially if I learn from a, from a student or from the family that there's a generational, you know, connection, aspiration, you know, it just layers on. So I call this my yes and model. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. I'm going to support you in striving for this, for this dream. And let's find some realistic options that align with what you need, with what you want, with your affordability profile. Um, it's the yes and. And so with these scenarios, I'm constantly having with every single student because of, you know, any low admit rate school. Um, it's, it's yes and. I want to support them and at the same time, help them identify realistic options um, as well. And so it's, it's not that I, you know, one of the things that I think it's this dual role that counselors always have of, you know, being realistic, but not, you know, completely being the dream crusher. Right. We're, I, I view, you know, my role as supporting them to strive and do their best for those dreams. And I kind of let our colleagues on the college side be the dream crushers, right? <laughs> Not me. So, so that's how I approach that with, with uh, my students. Jen, what do you see? So I, I take a, a lot of pride in the fact that um, I really get to know my students and I'm fortunate in the, the school that I'm in that we're a smaller school. Mm -hmm. um, I get to follow my students through the four years that they are in our building. And so I think that relationship piece um, can really help when you're having these difficult conversations, when you know the student, you know their background. Um, I think a big, big piece in all four of these scenarios is self-awareness, like making sure the kids are aware of what their strengths and weaknesses are um, for, for choosing any career uh, aspiration. So uh, I agree with Michelle in the support piece. Um, I also like to turn things back on the student and say, well, what research have you done? What are your chances of getting into that college? Um, have you reached out to alumni? Like kind of throwing it back on them, like what have you done to prepare for this next step? Um, and, and again, I, I, you know, being in a low, a low income school, I think an important piece to it too is, um, you know, many of our students do get the Pell Grant. So that opens up some opportunities for them to possibly get yes. into schools that maybe others wouldn't. So I think you kind of have to check all the boxes when you're working with students. And, and I absolutely would, again, as Michelle said, support. If that's your dream school, we will do whatever is within our capability to, uh, to get you in there the best that we can. I remember a time at Lloyd when... It was kind of when these, the slang term could be snap apps. It's kind of when this marketing piece started coming where it was kind of the very beginning of when colleges kind of flipped the script and started recruiting students a little more heavily. So they would get mailings even more than, than any at any point. And in these mailings, it would really make these kids feel like the college was 
really wanting them to come. The ultimate I, application. Remember that one? <laughs> so, yeah. And mm-hmm. so I, I remember this one boy in particular at Lloyd, his ACT was a, was a 14. This is a long, long time ago. So there's not, I mean, I don't feel like I'm sharing anything that couldn't be shared. It's a years and years and years of people away. Anyway. Um, and he was, you know, getting information from a local university that he was just not admissible to. But then, like the kid got so excited, and then I then it's, I felt like I had to have a very hard conversation because at that point I I wasn't able to let the college tell them, <laughs> like I like I tend to do. I've got a story for you, Michelle, in a second, but. Uh, I don't know if you've seen stuff like that or you've had to have conversations like that with with students at Lloyd. I think this is a, a key piece as a counselor is when we use some self-disclosure on those and we talk about experiences we've been through where we were maybe, you know, had our had our, our goals set on something really high and we didn't achieve it. And to show you can still be successful. There's other like that ways that you mm-hmm. can succeed. You just it's just a different road you're going to go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember uh, at Beachwood one day, a freshman English teacher called me and said, who is going to tell blank blank they're not getting into Harvard? And I just like paused for a moment and I'm like, Harvard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I don't know. I don't think she will. But I don't know, and I'm going to help do everything I can to help her put her best foot forward and move on from there. Um, and the, the kid had a great college application season, and I don't think Harvard even ended up being an application she sent because this is from ninth grade to 12th grade. But, uh, but yeah, that's – I think sometimes in education there is a thought because we're all, we're all the loving counselors here. But I think there's a thought in education that it's our responsibility to maybe be a little harder on the kids than we are. I'm not I don't agree with it, but I don't know if you've seen that in your world or if you've been run across situations where you felt like people wanted a little more directness out of out of us. Michelle, has that ever occurred to you? Yeah, I think it's really tricky because um, I think that sometimes that it comes down to timing. You know, they don't want, you know, so many don't want that dream crushing, you know, statistical reality conversation when before applications go in. But then, you know, you know, in my my colleague and I, we survey all the seniors at this time of year And one of the questions that we ask them is, you know, if you look back to the junior year when we started working with you, is there something that you know now that you wish you had known then? And every single year, there are some seniors that say, I wish I had known just how hard it is to get into a highly selective school. And, you know, I wish I'd known it was really, really, really hard. And so I think um, what it, it constantly reminds me of is, you know, these, these are young adults, these are teenagers, and they are going through a highly charged emotional process, no matter what their background is. And, and this could also be true of a student who is looking to gain admission to our public flagship and is below the admissibility profile. So I don't, you know, it's not just about right, right. Uber selectives, right? It's, you know, it's those that, you know, also um, wish that they had been told, but then they really, you know, we are having these conversations and I'm using data all the time to inform students and families and to show them, you know, that it's, um, it's, it's really, it's, it can be really tough to have those conversations and tricky. And we have the conversations and sometimes they don't want to hear it because it's just there because of the dreams. I mean, if we, a whole other side podcast would be like, 
the psychology or neurology of dreams, right? Like those are, they're generationally influenced. You know, we get to work with them for maybe a year and a half. And, you know, there's 17 years of upbringing that could be, you know, feeding into the dreams they establish. Um, Cultural influences, you know, generational so it's it's really tricky and it's tough. And I think that the counselors, I mean, Jen's students and my students are so super lucky that we're not, that we have the time to really get to know them and to really have these conversations. And I really think that that is one of the magical ingredients truly to being able to support students and their parents through this really emotional, developmentally, like really hard process. It's not easy. So so is it, would you say that, that maybe a plan of attack would be, here's, here are the facts, here's the data for this situation. And then do you, do you let, do you let the, the family come to some sense of self-discovery based on that? Or do you, you know, where do you, where do you go from? Here's the evidence. Yeah. Really great. Actually, I do a little step before that. Um, what I've, and this has not always been true, by the way, this is, you know, as you guys heard during my intro, like I've been doing this for a really long time and it's only recently where I intentionally, um, prepare myself in those early meetings when I'm getting to know a student and or the family. I want to understand where they are coming from. And I think that is one of the very first pieces. What is their definition of success going to be like? What is their understanding of pathways to get to career or college or you know, I try to understand where they're coming from and what they're bringing to the table. How do you ask and, that? I always take notes when you when you talk. Uh, when you like, I you know, Joel and I stole your letters of recommendation style, and you and I presented to people about it, and we're going to do it again because we're going to get accepted. But uh, how do you like? Is it just? Are there specific questions you ask? Is this too much right now for this episode? I'm super curious how you get to that answer. Yeah, I've gotten, you know, as I've gotten older, I've gotten more direct. You know, I, I will ask a question like, what role does prestige play in how right. you guys are, you know, starting this college process? How important is, you know, college name recognition going to be to you and your family? Okay. Gotcha. Um, and gotcha. so I've, I've gotten more and more direct as I've gotten older. Um, and it's, they are prepared to answer. That's one of the things when I first started using this question, I thought, Ooh, you know, is this going to blindside? Oh no. For, for the most part, like they've thought about it, they've thought about it. And, you know, and it's really interesting kind of the transparency and authenticity that, that sometimes will emerge where a parent will say, you know what? Um, I'm an, I'm an education snob. Yeah. You know, or yeah. Or, you know, like a, a family, you know, the, that I've been working with this year, mom and dad are immigrants to the U.S., were educated um, in the U.K., and um, they were new to the whole first oldest child, new to the U.S. admission process. And they, they said, you know, this is a really important topic, prestige and name recognition to my, to our family. You know, this is right. part of what we immigrated to the USA for, you know, was to give our children this opportunity and this chance to be able to go to one of these, you know, world renowned institutions. This is really, really important to us. And it's not our job to put our values onto them. We support them where they are. Like, let's go, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Let's you know, it's maybe, maybe let's have uh, a school we're a little more certain about, but other than that, let's rock and roll. We can, we can do that. Jen, I've got, I've got, I want to talk to you about a conversation. It occurred to me that I've had plenty of times I'll use our local names of schools, but I think it applies nationwide. 
So we have Northern Kentucky University and we have Gateway Community and Technical College. And I'm a gigantic fan. Joel and I have talked from our very first episode about the value of any type of post-secondary education. But I've had a lot of difficult conversations over the years. I mean, it's fine for me. I'm just saying, like, it's not always smooth to suggest that perhaps Gateway is a great place to, to start. I'm interested in your in your experience in Northern Kentucky about about that, that exact conversation in some ways. So that's <clears throat> that's an interesting that's interesting you bring that up because um, it's kind of I see a fluctuation. So we just had our college and career signing day this past Friday, and nice. um, it it kind of goes back and forth. So we have a large population of our kids that would sign with NKU one year. Um, and then the next year, those numbers would would you know be on the lower end, um, and more kids would be going to Gateway. So it's kind of a back and forth movement. Um, in our event on Friday, we did have more students sign to go to NKU. Um, I think I do think that it is the prestige, like Michelle was saying, with oh, I'm going to go to a, this four year college. Um, you know, that's that's my my end goal. Um, but I. You know, I feel like there's so much that can change in a student's senior year. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I think lots of things change ninth through 11th, but when they get into that senior year, uh, the amount of kids who I see change their mind, and a lot of it does come down to when they get the financial aid award letter. And right. so I wish they'd get those sooner. I understand they cannot. But um, I, I also this is, wish they <laughs> this is what my a common conversation I have with my kids. I'll say sometimes what's in here in our heart doesn't match up with what's up here. And so okay. we lay out, OK, here's the tuition. Here's what you would need to go to NKU. Here's what you would need to go to Gateway. It's a simple it's a simple answer. You know, most of our students can go to Gateway for free for two years. No debt at all. If they get a Pell um, Grant, it's going to cover, Pell Grant, right? Grant, it will cover Gateway. Cover. It won't cover NKU, though. It will not. Um, we do have a few partnerships in our area. We have something that's called the River Cities Promise that's that right, will right. now um, allow students to continue on to NKU um, at no at the you know little to no cost. Um, so we do again. It's kind of trending as a as a matter of um, students signing with the four year college and or Gateway, but. Um, from an economic standpoint, that's the that's what I tag kids on is it's going to just especially for a student who has um, aspirations to go on beyond a four year four year degree. If they want to go on and and go to medical school or law school or whatever it is, um, you know, you're you're going to probably have to take some loans out for that. So let's let's get that undergrad out at little to no cost. So are you saying that in some ways, if if someone is is hesitant to go to a community college because they view the prestige in a four year is, is, is better and more important money, money changes that answer. When you, I think, when you I do think money does. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Michelle. I also think that, you know, and Jen has described a scenario that it just, it tees up the opportunity for counselors to, to explore and support and amplify that there are so many different pathways and our students, you know, whether it's their, they are absolutely socialized to believe that this is a linear thing and that, you know, there are linear, lin, linear pathways to success. And that is simply not true. Right. And so you community college is a stepping stone along this pathway to a four-year institution, right? And really, I think that because of the, the reality of seniors, senior year, they're still in our buildings, they're still walking the hallways, and their, their scope of vision, you know, and perception is really wrapped up in those hallways, and we have this great opportunity to be able to kind of open up that perspective to say four years from now, there are all these different ways to achieving a diploma from all sorts of different schools. And so I think that that's just really, really important to, to 
really support and amplify for students and parents. 100%. I, I just, I find myself, let's say it's a, a junior meeting. I find myself really working hard to read the room before I bring up community college. I'm just super hesitant sometimes to even say that. I feel like I need it's like, you know, like a proposal, like you better, you know, you're going to need a yes. You know, you're not, you're gonna, you don't want to do a proposal and not get a yes. I feel like I really need to know that it's kind of okay. And if I feel, some, as I get in these meetings and I can, I can tell when a, when a parent might feel like community college is a great idea for everyone except their kid. <laughs> and I, I struggle, I struggle with that. And I guess I just do the best I can with whatever scenario situations coming up. I don't know if Jen, I don't know if you feel that way sometimes. I do often. Um, I think, you know, that's when you, that's, that's where you got to pull the data piece out. Um, we have so many, because we are working with a lot of first generation students. Um, it's murky water. Um, most of the parents have not continued on to further their education. So in one sense, it does, open up the opportunity to discuss, hey, let's get you to the community college, earn a certification, earn a two-year degree. Some of those, and and I I try to focus a lot on, from an economical standpoint and geographic, where our school's located, how many opportunities these kids have, because most of them are going to grow up and they're going to probably live in the same small city that they grew up in. Um, But they are fortunate where we live, you know, geographically by the, we're by the airport, we're by the river, we've got so many opportunities. So on one hand, I do feel like parents are open to that where, you know, after two years, you could be earning, depending on your certification, you could be earning more than what a council, school counselor (laughs) earns in Kentucky. Uh, Yes, I'm well aware. (laughs) But then on the other hand, the parents do want that that big dream for their kid. They they want to see them walk across the stage at NKU or UC with getting that diploma. Right. Um, so it's a it is a it's a delicate balance for sure. The, I, I'm curious. I, I want to make sure this question gets in. Is there a difference in the conversation depending on the age of the student? So so for instance, Jen, you you mentioned you keep your kids all four years. I know at my school we do the same thing. So. Inevitably, um, you know, I'll have kids ninth grade and and you talk about what do you want to do? And I always have a run of video game designers and veterinarians because they love video games and animals. Um, and 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 those are great. And, and obviously people do that, but not to the degree that I hear it. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Where's the. Does, does your does your support of that student is it different for a ninth grader than it is a twelfth grader and and how does that how does that conversation change over time to get more to that reality stage? So yes, I do think it changes. So when when they come in fresh as ninth graders, um, and that's a again common common uh, fields they want to go into aside from the, you know, I want to be in the NBA or now with the, with uh, the influencers on social media, that's a tough one. Um, So the, just the, the general question I have is, well, what are you doing now to get to that career? So what are you working on right now? Or what do you know about that career? Like, what's it going to take? And, you know, the kid who, says they want to go to the NBA. So well, what are you doing right now? What are you doing on a daily basis to get there? Um, so you're just kind of vetting them and like setting them up. Okay. So then, you know, two, two or three years from now when they're juniors, what have you done? You've had, you know, the, you've had these, these last two and a half years, tell me what you've done. Um, another piece of it too, I think is our job as counselors is to expose them in every way possible we can to that, those professions, um, you know, getting them out, you know, if we have the the job shadowing or internship opportunities, and that has to start even earlier than, than high school. Um, But there's just, you know, there's so many different areas for kids to go into that they just know very little about, you know, when they're exposed to these types of things, and that's all they're going to really know. Um, Our students too, some of our, most of our parents don't work. Um, So, 
they're they're not on an everyday seeing, yeah, that's a that's an occupation that my dad had or my mom had. So it is kind of left up to what they're seeing out there in the media. So it does make it tough. No doubt. I think career counseling and as, as, as I guess as a side note back to Joel's public service announcement, counselors are generally responsible. Uh, Jen, you're the expert in this, but uh, academic counseling, personal counseling, career counseling. So the three kind of the three prongs of a, of a professional school counselor. I think career counseling is the hardest. I think it's harder than trauma. I think it's harder than, than because you, you got to take that leap from, okay, here are all the things you're interested in. Here are all the things you've been exposed to, to like clicking on a major or deciding what I'm going to do. I think it's, I think that's really, really tough for counselors to, to, to help with. I, I mean, obviously I love your approach. It's, but it's hard. Any, any special advice or any thoughts on having these conversations um, with students with special needs? And I know that's a very broad oh, spectrum. Sure. But Can we back up one second? I forgot about something. I need to tell Jen. I've All right. A, I have a confession. <laughs> so do you remember career cruising? We'll get to yes. IEPs in a moment. Remember career cruising? So we had to keep yeah. our individual learning plans on there. Yeah. So when I was at Lloyd, the number one profession in career cruising was professional athlete. Mm-hmm. So I got the job at Beachwood. And my confession is, okay, you know, different types of families, different, different school, you know, like, like, what's it, what's it going to be when, when we, when I get there, I I didn't really like enter the first day of school thinking I'm going to check this out. But ultimately I'm like, Oh, I wonder, I wonder what it is here at Beachwood. And guess what the number one profession was at Beachwood? Professional athlete. (laughs) So, so it didn't matter. Like, yeah, yeah, it didn't matter whether it was in Fort Mitchell or Ellesmere. It's the number one, you know, high school chosen profession within that software and the surveys we had all done was professional athlete. So anyway, that's, that's my confession that Mm -hmm. I had even thought that maybe it was different, you know, a higher socioeconomic school sort of thing, but it wasn't. So sorry, Joel, for, for that's all right. bumping that in there. But I now feel better that I got to put that out to the world and, and confess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I, if you want to rephrase your question, Joel, I apologize again for interrupting just, you. Just how do you approach conversations when we're talking about students with special needs? I'd like to try like to answer first. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm just, I'm, it's, it's not a whole lot different, but I feel like I just want to build confidence. I just want to build them up, build them up, build them up. I had a meeting with a young lady that was going to work with me independently, friend of a friend, and she doesn't think college is a reality for her. And I told her that I'm not going to do anything different in your college search. You don't have to settle on one school because that's the school that does a great job with kids who struggle in school and have an IEP. I said, your IEP is an individual education plan that can be enacted at lots of different places. Some are better than others, and I'm going to help you find those. But I'm not going to change what I do. And I think she felt relief just in that. Yeah. It, but, but trying to – you can't just, like, create confidence in people. But, but maybe well, as, like, the yeah. expert in the field, I want her to know that she can, she can do this and she can have the same college results as anybody else. Well, um, and, and if we're going to jump in, I, I know one thing that we do um, in our building, um, and this, this is more for students who have, who have a lot more needs, but um, our, our, our teachers and staff, and we'll come up with, um, it's called a person-centered planning meeting. Um, and so basically you start at the end. Um, where, where do you see your child? What, what do you hope for your child? Where, what do you see them as far as, as education or employability, that sort of thing. And then we work backwards, um, on how do we get there? Um, what, what supports do you, do they need? What services do we need to get involved? That sort of thing. So rather than just sort of, you know, trying to, trying to work ahead, um, and figure it out along the way, um, it, it's kind of neat and it takes it takes a couple of hours of some hard good. conversation good but just if this is the end goal then we've got to figure out the the path to get there and and so really i think 
in some cases, that goes more in depth than than maybe with any other student um, on this topic. You know? I definitely want to hear from both of you on this. Yeah. Michelle, how how what what are what are the thoughts coming to mind? Um, I will combine a little bit of what Jen and Joel just said. You know, um, again, understanding what those goals are. Um, for the student is so important because then it's a student-centered plan that Joel, like if you're working backwards and you're, you know, helping design a plan reverse in reverse order. Um, and also it's that exposure piece that Jen spoke about a little bit ago. Um, students don't know what they don't know and parents right. as well. So when we can sit down with a student who, you know, does have, you know, an IEP and has learning differences and maybe maybe high school has been a real challenge for them to be able to find out what their plan goals are for after high school, work backwards for them with them and help them realize that there are places as niche oriented as Beacon College and Landmark College that specialize in college education for di diverse learners. And I mean, when they, you know, hear for the first time that there are colleges that are designed, and those are just two, there are more, um, they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. Or that there are universities, four-year colleges that have award-winning um, academic support programs right, and offices 100%. and dedicated resources and staff. You know, University of Arizona's SALT. Salt. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, University of Denver, you know, and so many others. And um, that's that exposure that there are pathways and options and you absolutely can be successful as a learner. And let's let's amplify that. Let's build up that confidence, Chris. Like you said, um, when they when they hear and learn about these, you know, these programs or schools, that goes a long way to building that confidence and them being able to envision themselves in a setting that maybe before they just could not even conjure. Right. Uh, that's awesome. Thank you. Perfect. Perfect. Jen, you're up. So just to back up with, with what Michelle said, the, um, I think the confidence piece, um, you know, having that conversation with them about the challenges that they have overcome to get where they are. Nice. Um, as I mentioned at the very beginning, you know, the self-awareness and then another huge piece in a conversation I have all the time with students, um, throughout any of the IEP meetings, 504 meetings is self-advocacy, uh, which, you know, I've, I've gone into some of those meetings. Uh, we do, we're not in charge of, we're in charge of 504s in our building. Uh, okay. not, we don't oversee the IEPs, but I have sat in on plenty of um, the ARC meetings where the student in high school was not even in the meeting. And right. I would right. speak up and say, where's the student? They're in high school. They're young adults. They need to know what is going on every step of the way. Um, and so I, I know I demand in 504 meetings, we might have the conversation with just the parent and myself and the teacher. Then we bring the student down and review everything. And so they need to, to see what that looks like because when they get out there, that's going to be on them. Um, so I think that's a huge piece to helping them just through the rest of their life after graduation, if they decide to go to college, they may not, but even in a workplace setting, they're going to need those skills. They're going to need to know when they need to speak up, when the appropriate time is to speak up. So it's all a part of that. I'm trying to tie in this SEL stuff that us counselors do as well. That's, a That's right. <laughs> yeah, that was beautiful. And you're, I think that self-advocacy and self-efficacy are two of the most important traits, skills, whatever you want to call that, that students would need to succeed. Because it's, it's not just on our end. We see people like starting college. We want them to to finish and we want them to get to those dreams we had mentioned earlier and to, and to have that long-term, long-term success. Man, you guys, your kids are all lucky to have some great counselors Absolutely. at their schools. Joel, do you have any final thoughts? And and this is—I mean, I think that the discussion's been been amazing. I appreciate yeah. it so much. 
I think there, there are plenty of notes that we've written down just for ourselves and, and, and for our own counseling. Um, yeah, I mean, it's good discussion and, and it's hard just, you know, it's hard discussions, but they're good, you know, and I think like anything else, Chris, if, if we keep the student front and center, um, that, that goes a long way, um, toward these Put conversations the time in. Good. Put the time yeah. in like you said long meetings and all of us just mentioned like taking the time whether it's to get to know somebody or whether it's to just spend time in a meeting or take a few extra minutes to make sure the student is invited and comes down to the meeting whatever it is but putting in that putting in that extra effort and time is required yeah. to, to do a great job for kids so so jen michelle thanks so much for being with us um great conversation you guys are welcome back anytime um, and with that, uh, let's take a quick break and we will come back uh, with our various lenses for today's episode. Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. Let's get into our various lenses for today's topic. Chris, if you don't mind, why don't you take the first lens this week? Uh, this is a topic right. I think I've learned a lot about, and I think I need a little process time before I could make um, a recommendation for counselors. So why don't you go ahead? I'll do it. I'll go first. If you're an independent or school counselor, so my cousin went to a local high school. The nickname of the counselor was the Dream Crusher, the actual nickname. And it's so interesting that Michelle mentioned that phrase, we don't want to be the lowercase dream crusher, but this is uppercase dream crusher. Uh, don't be, don't be dream crusher. Don't be the dream. How's that for advice? Don't <laughs> be the dream crusher. I, I learned a lot about counseling when I became a parent. And remember, I got a, a 15, 14 and nine year old in the same day. That's when I got married, I got in the same day and I, I've watched three of them over the last 11 years figure life out they didn't ever need someone to push them or, or tell them how hard something was they needed encouragement more than anything so go forth and encourage those kids if you feel the need for reality and i do too use data for high schoolers in our business i i teach the common data set provides tons of reality give them data turn them loose if they want to learn they can learn and, but these kids need someone in their corner, no matter what. And the cool part for you independent and school counselors is that gets to be you. You're the one in their corner. So it's fun. There you go. If you're at a university, uh, Chris uses the word transparency a lot when it comes to this particular lens. Um, and I think it's appropriate here. Universities should be very clear when it comes to the programs they offer. Uh, if there are requirements for admissions, the expectations that exist in terms of rigor, content, et cetera, and any intangibles that are required for success. Um, educate students on what it takes to reach goal A, and then it's up to the student to either reach that goal or set a different goal. Um, if the university is clear up front, then someone can't say that they didn't reach their goals because they didn't know uh, what the university's expectations were. Ooh, interesting. All right. Good job, Joel. If you're a parent, encourage your children. I don't want to repeat my words of wisdom right now, Joel, but in a second, parents, the words of wisdom message will really sink in for you. So just hold that thought for a moment with this lens. All right. If you're a student, whew, so many things to say here. But let me see if I can come up with a couple. One, you don't have to go to an Ivy League school to be successful in life. Two, you don't have to be a doctor or a lawyer to be successful in life. There are tons of different careers out there. Uh, so be what you want to be that will make you happy and will pay the bills. Uh, take the time to research all the possible careers that exist with the help of your school or independent counselor. Um, use the tools that are out there that are available um, that can help you with the process. Um, be exposed to more careers out there than video game designer, veterinarian, uh, NBA player, that sort of thing. Um, and then finally, take a good look at yourself. 
your likes, your abilities, your weaknesses, and use those people and things around you that support you to create a realistic plan for your possible future. Um, and finally, also be willing to accept both praise and constructive criticism as part of the journey. And next is Mike with his teacher lens. Thanks, Chris. And I'm doubling down on what you said at the top of this segment. Teachers need to encourage their students. It's not your place to set limits, but at the same time, be honest with students about their performance with data during conferences so they can have a clear-eyed vision for what to adjust or what to tweak so they can accomplish their goals. Teachers need to take time to form relationships with your students to help them understand their strengths and how to build upon their weaknesses. And with that, it's time to wind down this episode where we will finish up today with Chris's words of wisdom. Chris, what's the word today for us? Today's word of wisdom is encouragement. I'm emphasizing this because it's different than praise. Picture, picture someone running around one lap around a track. So praise is what you give them when they cross the finish line for a job well done, so to speak. Encouragement, my friends, is what you give the whole lap. Even before the lap, that's who I want to be. That's, that's what we as humans, whether we're adults, little children, adolescents, especially adolescents, need. As a school counselor with experience, I brought this concept up many, many times to teachers in the profession. When I, when I first studied this concept in my graduate program, truly a light bulb moment for me. And, and I hope it's a light bulb moment for you listeners as well. When a, when a student's in your class, encourage them for efforts, not just results. When, when Renly, grandbaby, first started crawling, I watched everyone encourage her with every little movement of arms and legs. Like, when do we, when do we stop doing that? When is it the first soccer match, the first report card? I could go on and on. Lots of personal stuff too. go on and on. But thinking about this almost brings me to tears. Teachers, counselors, and especially parents, little, a little praise is natural, but most of all, encourage these teenagers as they navigate some of the toughest times of their lives. Good words, Papaw. <laughs> <laughs> Papaws are great. There you go. And remember, you can always listen to Get Schooled on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon. You can follow us on Twitter at, at GetSchooled3, at AskMRReeves, and at TheMR4D. So Get Schooled3, Ask Mr. Reeves, and the Mr. Ford, and on the internet at AskMrReeves.com slash GetSchooled. Joel. Tell our listeners about our next episode. Oh, and I know you want to, so go oh, for it. I, I'm looking forward to this one. Um, this one's going to be one in which I think you and I will get schooled. Um, we've had a few where we, we go in and we just do not know much about this topic. Um, this one's going to take us strictly to the college side of the admissions process. How does a college determine how many students to admit in a given year? How do they balance admission rates versus how many students they think will actually attend? What happens when they screw up and their numbers are wrong? Um, how do you deal with the pressures of recruitment, admitting students, getting students to attend, institutional goals, and so on? Uh, we'll get into all of these topics centering around one of my favorite words, matriculation. Love saying that word. I know you do. I know. Next time on Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. We'll see you then. How much do we make each month on this? Negative $16. It's going to go up. It's going to go up because we need to pay for Zencaster now.
The views expressed by the hosts of the Get Schooled by Reason Ford podcast are their own and are not necessarily representative of any groups or schools to which they belong.